0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin
1: Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese making history at wisconsincheese.com.
2: Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes were taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider.
0: Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States.
2: From the science of fermentation... So, yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus.
3: ...to the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect
2: of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider, and I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. The studio. It did
3: not sound anything like a sheep.
2: Bah! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Life's Banquet, the show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With your hosts, Artangora and Nicole Bailey. <laughs> Nicole doesn't have a great singing voice. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't know that, do you? Bitch. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing? Yes or no? That is none of your business. Prove it. Move it or lose it. Please stop. <laughs> Hi! You know what? We have so much to talk about today with our topic that I feel like we don't need to like engage in any kind of pleasantries. Yeah, because
3: this banter wasn't going very well. It was so going... I was about to fight you.
2: Straight downhill. <laughs> straight down an icy hill on a pair of moccasins. Am I right, everybody? Huh. <laughs> moccasins are smooth on the bottom and ice is slippery.
3: Yes. But you shouldn't be wearing moccasins in any sort of damp situation that's true
2: the ice and water will go right unless you protected them with that spray oh yes 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 that's interesting because today's episode is all about moccasin protective spray <laughs> brought to you by moccasin shield the number one moccasin water repellent all right. What should we? right i'm sorry
3: oh, and this episode is over
2: and we have been fired we've just gotten uh a... We just got what do you call it when a plane flies over with a message?
3: Roberta herself came in here to <laughs> Heritage Radio and has fired us. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god, I'm dying. Okay. What are uh, we talking about today?
3: Today we are talking about uh, chain restaurants and the reason we have to dive right in is because I got so excited in doing my research that I kept adding more and more and more <laughs> to the point right now I have like four million and there's not gonna be enough time. So we we have get to, to it! We have to go. Okay. <laughs> are you ready? To rumble. For the spaghetti factory.
2: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really how oh, my ears hurt from laughing.
3: Oh, also, as per usual, of course, there are many, many chain restaurants on the planet, and I'm only picking ones that have a special meaning to me. So I will alienate all listeners. Um <laughs> <laughs> so the spaghetti factory, it's actually I thought it was ye old spaghetti factory, but it's the old spaghetti factory. Mm-hmm. Um
2: incongruous.
3: It was started by in 1969. In Portland, Oregon, by Gus and Sally Dussen. Hmm,
2: that does not sound Italian. I don't think it was Italian. No, no.
3: Okay. Uh, although who knows? Who's the, the I'll tell. Maybe they are. Who knows? Okay. Um, but there's the website is full of adorable pictures of them, like oh. just like starting the restaurant, them like hugging, and it's like the cutest Aww. freaking website that you could ever. You should just go there to have your heart warmed. Um, <laughs> they. Um, basically they found a place and they found, they decided to just like open a restaurant at first and they decorated it with, you know, kind of old tiny like antiques and chandeliers and, um, tried to make it look vintage. Um, which, you know, in 1969 means they're talking about like the thirties probably. Uh, and they found <laughs> an old abandoned boxcar in a field. They brought it into the restaurant and made that like a special seating area for Yes, like, that's so like cool. the coveted areas, like this boxcar. And then so ever since then, they've had a boxcar in every single restaurant. And as a kid, I can remember wanting to eat, sit in there because it's like in the center of the restaurant. Yeah. Everyone can see you and it's really cool. Did you ever
2: get to do it?
3: Yeah, we went to the Spaghetti Factory quite a bit.
2: Oh, that's cool. That's all. I never heard of Spaghetti Factory. We did not have them on the East Coast or at least not in Long Island. I,
3: I think, think that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe it's more Midwestern um, and West Coast. Sure, sure. Because it started in Portland. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, that is <laughs> as far west as you can get.
3: Um... And we ate there quite a bit. I actually love the old Spaghetti Factory. We went there last Christmas because we have, we decided we randomly decided to eat with my parents, and my nephew at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. and like nothing was open, so we went to the old Spaghetti Factory and it's a it's like a kid place, yeah, which I didn't really put together until we walked in and it was just like filled to the brim with, like, screaming children. It's, like, two days before Christmas. It was, like, Aww. the worst thing.
2: It sounds pleasant.
3: But then we we got seated pretty quickly, and then we all had a great time.
2: Yeah, and then you smoked, like, a pack of cigarettes after you were done to like deal with the stress. What did you get?
3: Um, I can't remember. I do – the two things that are – the reasons why I love that place is they have the, – you get bread with your meal, which mm-hmm. I love, and they have really good ranch dressing. So if you order any of the entrees, you get, like, a salad um, and – a dessert that comes with your entree. Oh, that's and great. So they have really good ranch dressing. It's like delicious. And they have Spumoni ice cream Ooh. at the end. And the Spumoni is really good. And, um, I don't think I ever would have eaten pistachio ice cream as a picky child if I hadn't eaten it at the old spaghetti factory. So it's just like, it's good. You know, it's Cute. actually like not very good, but in terms of like, you know, boxy, basic chain restaurant yeah. stuff, it's also very nostalgic. So that's great. What can you do? So, basically, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Um, also, I do have one bad thing to say about them. Uh, <laughs>
2: okay.
3: Um, there's also there's also a, a, an entree on their menu called the mezitra cheese and brown butter pasta, which I always thought was exotic, mm-hmm. and now looking back, I'm like it's kind of you know an intense recipe for like a chain restaurant and yeah. it turns out that it's a family recipe and they weren't going to put it on the menu but in order to get their liquor laces they had to add one more dish. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's so funny. I know. So it's an old family recipe and it's the most popular dish on the menu apparently. Wow. Um, and I never ordered it. I always got like the spaghetti pomodoro or something. Oh, mm-hmm. Um sick. The one issue that I had is when I was, they they used to have restaurants in Germany, and they closed them because labor costs were too high. Because in Germany, you have to pay people a living wage. Right. And I was like, oh should I start talking about how if you have to pay someone a living wage you can't afford to run a profitable restaurant but no we shouldn't delve into that
2: at no, this no. moment But Mm-mm, let's just... keep it all positive the spumoni <laughs> the brown butter <laughs>
3: everybody's happy in um, spaghetti town so I said it do your research come to your own conclusions goodbye <laughs> okay so then Chi Chi's was the mm. next restaurant it was probably my favorite restaurant as a child um, they had amazing salsa and I liked the salsa so much because it wasn't big chunks it was right. pureed Um and you it was bottomless. I loved all things bottomless.
2: (gasps) Bottomless anything is good, especially bottomless chips and salsa. I know, and they came with
3: your. They would basically you would sit down and you would have chips and salsa immediately on your table. And um, they currently have restaurants in Belgium, United Arab Emirates, and Kuwait. Mm -hmm. Um, all of the U.S. and Canadian restaurants closed, um, because well. So they started in 1975. Um, Marno McDermott, his wife, was named, nicknamed Chi-Chi. And former Green Bay Packers player Max McGee opened a lovely little Mexican restaurant um, in Richfield, Minnesota. Um, They had... Two hundred and ten locations in nineteen ninety-five. In two thousand one, they tried to trademark the world's the word salsification but they were <laughs> denied. And that reminded me that on their menu or somewhere there was the declaration of salsification. Oh and god. I have never forgotten that phrase. Oh my god, it's amazing. My Do you know what it said? <laughs> it was just like who knows? It was just Whoa. like on some part of the menu. And it's just a great phrase. Yeah, no, it's Top notch. Um, So I went there even as a child, of course, a lot. But then even as I was a high school student, like living in Indianapolis, would still go there with my friends all the time. Um, It must have been fairly affordable. And I was a good teen who did not drink alcohol. So Mm. that makes everything cheaper. Um, But eventually, I actually remember hearing about this, but it did not deter me. But... um, They were struck down with the largest hepatitis A outbreak in U.S. history. Mm. Four people died, and 660 people got sick in Pittsburgh.
2: No, and they
3: linked it back to green onions um, Uh, from one of the locations. Just
2: there, like the green onions weren't anywhere else. Mm Oh my God, is it crazy that
3: 660 people ate there though? Congrats, guys.
2: Yeah, I mean they were doing a lot of business. What is hepatitis A? What does it do to you? Do we know? It's liver. Sounds um, bad. It's,
3: I don't know, yeah. honestly. You can die from it, apparently, so yeah. look out. Yikes. Shit. Um, and so that was really bad news for them, and they closed shortly thereafter um, in 2004. Yeah, that's hard to come back from. And I was sad about that. I don't think it was 100% the hepatitis A, but it was a bunch of different, they were starting to, like, probably didn't not help. Not do too hot, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah,
3: Um, So, sorry, Chi-Chi's, although I do miss you. It's you can hot.
2: still get their salsa, though, on the supermarket. It's not the same. It's not? No.
3: no. I think they had fresh salsa. I mean, the other thing they is like, made they it. made fresh salsa, sure, sure. which is like, for the 90s, crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Ground Round, which was originally started in 1969 by Howard Johnson. That's crazy.
2: Uh, I need to stop you and just let you know that the Ground Round was one of my very favorite places as a kid. It, it was? was? so Yeah, I mean, chain restaurants in general. I'll, I'll Me too. I'll jump in a minute, but like, with my dad, we went to every chain restaurant, like, I think sometimes people think, like, oh, you're a chef. You must, like, be... I do not turn my nose up at chain restaurants. I love them. I don't eat at them anymore, but my nostalgia and my love for chains mm-hmm. are so deep, and Ground Round is one of my favorites.
3: I also, like, we would only go to chain restaurants. Like my pa- It would never yeah. occur to my family to not to go to a non-chain restaurant. Like, that wasn't a thing that would happen.
2: I always went to chains with my dad because he was the manager of, like, a, he was the GM of kind of a really fancy country club in town. Right. And he... Never wanted to run into a member at plus he like liked chain restaurants yeah you know but uh, he never wanted to run into a member at a restaurant like in town in fear so that to they avoid would them in fear mostly he said that they would try to buy him dinner
3: Oh. because he just like
2: wasn't trying to have male
3: that. pride out
2: with his daughter and like oh let me buy you dinner Cause I'd you be it. like please buy me Hell dinner Oh fucking course you don't want to buy them to buy you dinner but anyway so we always went to chains and Cute. I love them cute
3: it's so cute um i was texting with my sister about this um but my memory of the ground round is that you there was a it was a ki- it was for kids it was like there was a kid yes. restaurant um i mean for parents of kids obviously but um they i we would go there all the time because it was pay what you weigh
2: oh yeah so yeah. you would get
3: on the thing and they would weigh you that's embarrassing and we, i know because i terrible. already i already was struggling with my weight as a young child yeah. i'm like oh i weigh 72 pounds but then i would you know 72 cents so
2: yeah, I would take great. my kid there <laughs> sure. right now.
3: Um, but they originally started it as a theme restaurant. Um, wow. Harkening back to our last episode, yeah. the original place had the converted bathtub with the Sunday bar on it. I don't know if you remember that. Uh-huh, yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and this is also part of a family lore, family inside joke is my one time my mom. When she took us to the Sunday bar and she was shaking up the like ready whip to put on my Sunday, and she accidentally just like sprayed it all over my sister. Aww. And it's just like something that we've never forgotten and we would laugh about all the time. That's and so my sister reminded because I was like, What was that restaurant? Or I don't, I was like, Do you remember this or something? And she was like, That place was so weird. And she was like, That's where, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm conflating this with Max and Aramis. Oh, okay. Sorry. But the ground round had, um, We're going to talk about Max and in just a second. Perfect. But the Ground Round had um, one of the first places where they would hand out peanuts. Yeah, and they were all over the floor. peanut shells all over the floor. But they had a
2: Sunday bar, too, at Ground Round, They had a
3: Sunday bar, but it wasn't in a bathtub. It wasn't
2: in a bathtub. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, And a salad bar. Did they have a salad bar? I think so, yeah.
3: I also remember going there um, to, like, basically as an adult, or, like, an older, like, high school student, maybe, and it was horrible.
2: I would go as an adult, and I would get their... (laughs) This is really embarrassing, but their buffalo chicken salad to-go.
3: Oh, no, I definitely... I used to get that from Chili's. They Chili's just have a buffalo chicken salad.
2: uh, In my memory, I'm, like, eating it right now, and it's delicious. Yeah. I would take one right now.
3: The buffalo chicken salad. We need to bring that back. They do. Um, One cute little thing that I read about the ground round before I move on uh, is that they... All of the... Corporate owned ones closed. Okay. Um, the franchise ones stayed open, and then the franchisees all banded together to buy the company. Oh, wow. So any ground rounds that are now working are like franchise owned and operated. That's awesome. But, and that's really cute. Yeah, I think. it's great. That's um, great. One of the rare cases with a chain restaurant. Adorbs. Okay, Max and Hermes. I bet nobody even knows about this place unless they're from the Midwest, but it was a big part of me and my sister's childhood. It was started in. It's also the story is pretty cute. Started in Columbus, Ohio in 1972. Um, they purchased a tavern in Germanville, which is in Columbus, mm-hmm. um, which had been operated by Max and Irma since 1958. So they decided to take their name and leave it there. Um, and they decided to make the theme restaurant. And they decided that their theme was going to be having a Sunday in a bathtub. I don't really know okay. what that theme is, but yeah. it's a very important part of my childhood. It's <laughs> so cute. It's where my mom. Doused my sister in whipped cream and it's very hilarious we were very into that Sunday bar it's like a build your own Sunday bar situation Um, for some reason it's in a bathtub
2: that's very weird that sounds like a kinky like a weird kink of Max and Irma's
3: (laughs) also interestingly (laughs) Max and Irma's I remember this served their sodas in mason jars so they were actually the first people to do that not hipsters yeah Um, okay. Now we need to go on to a little section, which is, it started off being Sizzler, but then I had to morph it into the all-you-can-eat salad bar steak restaurant.
2: Dude, so, I love salad
3: bar. The first one that we know about is... that. Hi. Um, sorry, the people outside are... Waving at us, uh-huh. but I can't it's distracting.
2: Talk. Do we know them? No, in the Heritage <laughs> Radio Studios. Just so you guys know, anyone who has never seen it, it's in Roberta's, and there's like a plexiglass window, and we're looking at all the diners. So sometimes um, they wave at us.
3: Yeah, and I,
2: it's distracting. <laughs>
3: I'm a frightened. Um, okay, so Sizzler started in 1958. Um, it was originally Dell Sizzler Family Steakhouse in Culver City. Uh huh. Um, they sort of for I mean I, I once I started reading about this, I'm like wait. Salad bar. Like I want to know everything there is about it, but I didn't have enough time. So basically the salad bar was just the add-on. So you would go there for a steak dinner and like the, the perk was that you could get an all you can eat salad bar for nine ninety nine. Yeah. But very quickly people just started eating the salad bar only.
2: Sure, why wouldn't you? It has everything.
3: I know. And so then Sizzler as a result lowered the quality of its menu items. People noticed there was a huge backlash, and that's kind of why they fell from grace and closed. I mean, in, they're, still, they're still in California, but the Sizzler in my town is not there anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah, my, they're not around. In my hometown, we had a Ponderosa, which is actually... So Ponderosa and Bonanza Ooh. rose up as their, like, biggest competitors. Oh, wow. Um, right, kind of, like, a couple of years after they opened. But then uh, the whole, like, salad bar thing changed and so basically i read a bunch of articles that were like the salad bar and the salad bar has changed the way america eats salad and it's changed (laughs) what a salad even means and it's like really interesting and actually because i'm like I grew up just like accepting that salad bars have always existed, but of yeah. course that's not true.
2: You're like a millennial um, with the internet. Yeah. Like and a I time just, before salad <laughs> bars, and there's a time after. No, the salad bars still exist. I know, they do in a um, different way, though. And I
3: just love the whole all-you-can-eat culture. So mm-hmm. as a kid, growing up, we would go to a chain called Ryan's, um, which might just be Midwestern, who knows. Um, but it was a steakhouse slash all-you-can-eat buffet And then that's the thing. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet. So there was, like, chicken and, like, weird, like, spaghetti. And I would always go and get, like, 14 helpings and then go to the dessert bar and get every single dessert. Mm -hmm. I was a fat kid, by the way. same Me, too. Um, There was also Old Country Buffet, Golden Corral. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it just sort of changed. It was also just, like, a way for people that didn't have a ton of money but wanted to go out and sort of feel like they could like the idea of all you can eat for like nine dollars is yeah. amazing.
2: Yeah, it really is. You actually. can take your
3: kids and like you can like actually have a meal out. I remember when they changed the prices at Ryan's and my dad was mad because then they like rose the they basically raised the salad price the salad bar all you can eat price way up because they realized people were just choosing that. Right. And um so it went up from, like, I don't know, like $12. And my dad was like, this is so expensive. Yeah.
2: Um, which when, it kind of is. It's, it is expensive, but it's when people, I, I think, mean, also I mean, realize that, like, a salad, all you can eat. a salad could be 3,000 calories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean all you can eat is really, it could be millions of calories. I mean, I'm, this, I'm exactly the same. I remember there was a place that was not a chain in our town called the Steakport. And they had a, because <laughs> it was in Northport, so it was called Steakport. Oh, cute. Um, and they had a salad bar, and I just, like. Was when it came time to like dressing town, I would be like blue cheese, French, mm. Italian, Ew. mix them together, no, to make like a dressing reservoir. Ew, with every kind of thing. Blue cheese
3: and French dressing together,
2: best. I would do it if I still had a restaurant right now. I would call it the blue cheese French ex- dressing experiment. It's very. That's long. all I would make. <laughs> <laughs> the sign outside would be very expensive. It's true. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, okay, let's take it down to a darker level.
2: Oh. Jeez Louise.
3: The Cracker Barrel. No! (laughs) (laughs) I told you last episode that I had a fun story of white maleness and how no matter how many times you screw it up, they won't let you go down. Mm -hmm. Failing upwards. Failing right up to the top. Okay, so Cracker Barrel was started in 1969 in Lebanon, Tennessee, um, by a man named Dan Evans. Oh, Danny E. He was an executive at Shell, and Mm -hmm. he wanted a way for people to buy more gas. And so he decided to have a road, like, he decided to put his restaurants off the the exits. Oh, how interesting. And he formed it into the formation of the country general store that he grew up with as a child. So, like, in his foggy white man, rich guy memory, this is what the general store was like. Sure. Um... And they decided to have Southern cuisine. They actually had turnip greens on wow. the early menus. Wow. Um, I mean, it was the 60s too, yeah. so. Um, and before I talk about the horrors, um, I used to go there all the time because they had all-you-can-eat. It's a theme here. Mm, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> They had all-you-can-eat biscuits and gravy for like two ninety nine. So wow. So you can go there and get literally all the biscuits and gravy that you should, could eat.
2: How many can you eat? How many plates is
3: Probably, possible? Probably, I, I can't really remember, but... Um, Probably two. Like, I I definitely, like, would always get a second one. And it right. was, like, a basket of biscuits on the table, too. Oh, wow. And my friend and I would just go there and get the all-you-can-eat biscuits and gravy. Oh, my God. And have the grand old time. That sounds great. Drinking full sugar Coca-Cola. Uh-huh.
2: I've never been to throwing a... Throwing caution to the wind. A, <laughs> <sighs> I've never been to a CB. Oh, well, the, it's very
3: strange um, because you, you walk into the general store part, so, mm-hmm. like, if you have to wait for your table, you kind of are just, like, forced to, like, be in this gift shop, mm-hmm. um, which I was always super into. I bought probably way too many pennies inside of a glass bottle. <laughs> it's
2: not like funny? People buy almost almost anything.
3: Yeah. Uh, they also had this cool game um, with golf tees and a triangle where you had to, like, there was only one space and you had to, like, mm-hmm. jump them over each other or I something. I know that game. Which I very much enjoyed. Yep. Um, however... The CEO, Dan Evans, in the early 90s, began to exhibit... I mean, he was obviously, we now know, always a huge monster. But in the 60s, it was fine for white dudes to be huge monsters. Um, It was encouraged. So he made an official company policy prohibiting the hiring of anyone whose sexual preferences failed to demonstrate normal heterosexual values. That was a company policy policy cool Dan Evans you in suck. the 90s
2: in the 90s yeah um, That's Fucking awesome you're great Just so kidding.
3: they reversed the policy after backlash but mm-hmm. they didn't ask him to step down Sarah
2: yeah no why would they They would why why would they so he
3: continued to be the CEO for the next 10 years nice. um he had a reputation was often in the news for publicly and privately encouraging the discrimination of minorities and women within yeah. his company
2: Cool. Don't go to Cracker Barrel.
3: Um, Well, you can now. Okay. It's
2: safe Uh, to go again.
3: But let me tell you why. Okay. I mean, you really probably shouldn't, because this is how they decided to get rid of him. Um, So then, finally, um, in 2001, they were like, okay, you actually, you're so problematic, you can no longer be the CEO, so you have to step down. Yeah. And he was like, no problem. I'm not mad, because I'm still the chairman of the board. And they're like this is the best we can do. Um, and so he remains the chairman of the board. No! And then the next thing that they do is they finally decide to push a mandatory retirement age of 70 on all executives okay. because Dan Evans was 69 okay. and about to turn 70. So as soon as they pass that decree, mm-hmm. he... Retired. They pushed him out the door, but they didn't push him out,
2: right? And of course, he's still a fucking millionaire, so it's yeah, like big deal. He doesn't get to like.
3: Also, eat he, free was whole, Bell all he was he was a Shell Oil executive, so like boo, this guy. Boo, I mean, boo. can you imagine? It's like the perfect example of a monster yeah. man. Yep. Boo. Um, yeah, and wow. then you know they froze his body, and he's <laughs> gonna come back later when whatever those
2: <laughs> crazy frozen tech people are doing. I don't even know. <laughs> Yuck, he's a frozen He's frozen in a pile of gravy. Um, hold on, I'm
3: not done. Okay. okay. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I have two. Oh, wait, I just had to do one more because, hold on. Sorry. I'm getting lost in my notes of all of our other podcasts. Um, I have to do Bob Evans. Okay. Bob Evans was one of my favorite restaurants as a child also. Um, wait, what was
2: the guy we were just talking about? Dick Evans? Dan Evans. Okay.
3: okay. No relation.
2: Okay.
3: Um, actually, he spelled with an I anyway.
2: Oh, weird.
3: Um, so Bob Evans was a restaurant that I would go to a lot as a child, uh, with my parents. And I always <laughs> remember talking to my sister about it and being like, I would always, there were, it was a restaurant for old people, but we would go there a lot. Um, and so a bunch of old people would always be eating in there. And whenever I would see an old person eating alone, I would assume that their spouse had died and they were going there to remember their <laughs> memories of eating there together. And I would almost, no, I would sad. almost start crying just from seeing an old person eating alone <laughs>
2: yeah well you're an empath that's very that means yours was you were a sweet child and you're a sweet adult Oh I know yeah. so
3: I was just like I still remember that but I also so the menu had breakfast all day which is an imp- very important concept oh yeah yeah and so I would order and my mom would just let me order whatever I wanted so I would order a regular Coke pancakes and french fries.
2: Oh, yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is a
3: starch-heavy meal. Yeah. Um, But that was my signature order. I would never order anything else there. And it was really good. They had really good pancakes. Did you
2: dip your french fries in syrup?
3: No, I don't get down like that. Okay. Um,
2: Excuse Excuse us. Also,
3: Bob Evans is kind of a cute story because basically it's 1948. Bob Evans himself in Gallipolis, Ohio. That is how it's pronounced. I'm 90% sure because I remember that town from when I lived next door to it in Indiana. Um... He had a little restaurant, and he started basically a farm-to-table situation where he started processing and packaging sausage from his own farm to put in his diner. Whoa, that's awesome. I know. So he did that in 1948. The reputation grew so big that people would come to the restaurant just to get the bulk orders because the sausage was so good. Oh, that's Um, That's rad. And then things started even snowballing from there, and he was doing all the packaging himself – And he just, like, couldn't keep up with demand, so he actually had a cousin who worked in packaging and was like, help me out, Tim Evans. Yeah. And he was like, no problem, cuz. And so then he started packaging everything for him, which let them have, like, you know... I mean, I think you can still buy Bob Evans sausage in the grocery store. I've never heard of it. Um, But they moved their sausage... Or they moved their little diner to an actual restaurant on the farm, and so it was... A cute little farm restaurant, um, which eventually became a major chain, um, that was like family owned until 2003, I think. Um, and then the person who bought it or the person who took over when the CEO stepped down was, a f- like had been working closely with the family the entire time. So it was like a cute little that's family so cool. corporation, major conglomerate. It's probably not that cute Fine. anymore, but, um, yeah. Pancakes and French fries breakfast all day.
2: Yum. Good stuff. That's amazing. Uh should we should we break it off for a break? Do you have one more? <laughs> no, I'm done. You're done? Yeah. Should we take a quick break? Yeah, let's break we'll it up. We'll refresh, we'll powder our noses, <laughs> wink nudge, and we'll come <laughs> we'll come back to this amazing chain, 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 chain of fools.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin has storied cheese history that begins with Swiss, German, and Italian settlers in the 1800s and continues today with nonstop innovation and award-winning artisanship. Wisconsin was the first state to establish cheese-grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. It is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of this helps Wisconsin cheese win more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country. Take for example, Decatur Swiss Cheese Co-op, who have made cheese since the 1940s. Steve Stetler is a Wisconsin master cheesemaker who developed several new cheeses for the co-op, including a European style Havarti, a Swiss lace cheese called Stetler Swiss, and a Colby Swiss marbled cheese. His cheeses have won awards at the Wisconsin State Fair, and the World Championship Cheese Contest. To learn more about Wisconsin's award-winning cheesemakers, visit wisconsincheese.com.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Michael Harlan Turkel, and I'm the host of The Food Scene here on HRN. This show explores the intersection of food, art, and design by talking to people who are inspired by these ideas. The show features food photographers, food stylists, interior designers and so much more all the players that make the world so visually delicious you can find the food scene wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org
2: oh and we're back (laughs) and we are back from our break with a a message from our sponsors Mm -hmm. this show is brought to you by Chili's just kidding it's definitely not Um, but I am talking about Chili's today because one of my favorite chains of all time same. I love two-for-one margaritas. I love sizzling fajitas. They had two-for-one margaritas? Yes. Yes, sir. So the company was founded by Larry Levine uh, in Texas in 1975, but is currently owned by and operated by Brinker International. Again, going back to <laughs> yeah. what we were talking about last week, everything's owned by like a conglomerate. Um, um, Chili's was inspired by a Texas, uh, Texas chili cook-off held in... Terlingua, Texas in nineteen sixty seven, and they still have the uh Lingua Chili on the menu. If huh. you go to Chili's, that's still called like their Terra Lingua Chili. I
3: was just gonna say, do they even have chili at Chile? Yeah, they do.
2: Terra Lingua uh, Chile. Hmm. Terra Lingua Chile. Um, the first uh, location was in a converted postal station in Greenville on Greenville Avenue in Vickery Meadows area of Dallas. And by the 1980s there were 28 chili locations in the region, and they all had like a southwest decor. In 83, he sold the restaurant to Brinkler, uh, who was a uh, Pillsbury, Pillsbury restaurant group executive. Um, and today, Chili's has 1,600 locations worldwide. Now, to my favorite part of Chili's. Actually, my favorite, followed only by what I'm going to talk about next. <laughs> the Vegitas. Or as my mom would say, <laughs> fajitas with an R. Uh, in 1916, a little bit about fajitas. In 1969, fajitas debuted on the menu at Otila Garza's Roundup Restaurant in the Rio Grande Valley community afar. Uh, And then, moving forward, George Weedman was the opening chef at the Hyatt Regency in Austin in 1982, and he recognized the commercial potential of the popular Tex-Mex dish. He put sizzling fajitas, quote, on the menu of Hyatt's La Vista restaurant, and it made it the most profitable restaurant in the entire Hyatt chain. So then Weedman spent the last 20 years of his career at the Hyatt Austin and was often called upon to travel to other properties to share his fajita secrets with other restaurants in the chain, and they remain a restaurant mainstay for Hyatt. Isn't that interesting?
3: So they are the ones, I think, that made it so that you would, they put them in that cast iron thing. Exactly. And you walk through the restaurant and with it's this. Like- and so that everyone hears it and wants to order it. It's like it's an actual, cool. like, brilliant...
2: It's a brilliant idea, right? Like, yeah. it also makes everybody smell like fajitas when they leave. Yeah. But it's fine. Um, but it was a very, like... I mean, I, I guess it came to be in the 80s, but to me, I'll always remind, like, be reminded of it in, like, the 90s. Yeah. And so then they added this menu of chilies, and it became, like, a huge part of, like, chilies. So prior to the introduction of the fajitas in 1984, two years after this guy introduced it to the Hyatt all menus uh, at Chili's except for the chili were served in baskets and then when they <laughs> got the fajitas special equipment like skillets and tortilla warmers were introduced into the kitchen to prepare the fajitas uh which caused a quote uproar according to the company so people were mad pissed They're like what am I gonna do with this blazing lava hot fucking cast iron skillet I have to walk through the dining room people are like oh, I, I mean to be fair it is freaking it's dangerous crazy. it's, it's- it's crazed if you like had no if you had never been privy to that you'd be like what the hell is you also, this so you
3: can't put that near a toddler or yeah. a child that's gonna just like grab it
2: and burn their little tiny hand I off I know it's and the dangerous. servers have to carry it's smoke it's very exciting though is it the most exciting dish in Hollywood no I was never into it you weren't would you eat one right now you make yeah. your own taco yeah, I
3: you know at the time I wasn't super into vegetables, especially uh, uh-huh. not onions, peppers, and onions. freaking peppers, and mushrooms, and
2: steak, and like, steak. It's all the things you don't like. Absolutely not. What and you don't like shrimp, so you really you were just left with the option of like plain chicken and guacamole.
3: Yeah, or I ate my own things at Chili's, which I'll talk about later. Okay, done talking about cool. Chili's.
2: I love Chili's. Uh, they also had the classic. I want my baby back baby back baby, <laughs> back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Chili's baby back ribs. No. Barbecue sauce. Oh. <laughs> I forgot about that part. The most legendary casual dining chain chamber of all that? time. I think it came out in the like nineties. It's definitely oh no, nah, maybe in like the early nineties. It doesn't say here when it first came out, actually. I mean I'm sure there's some way to look it up, but I just didn't care. Um, so I think in maybe like the early '90s, and they revamped it in like 1996. Um, so it was like the song was called "Welcome to Chili's," and it was written by Guy Bamarato, and the producer was Tom Faulkner, and he sang the melodic theme. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. And the New York singer named Willie McCoy was brought. <laughs> he brought the um, barbecue sauce. He did the, like, <laughs> and then there was a up uh, wait, quartet. the barbecue
3: sauce guy is different from the a baby s- back guy. Separate
2: separate guy.
3: What about the chilies baby back ribs that guy? Chilies
2: that's, that's Tom Faulkner. Oh that's all okay. Yeah, so. it's three people. One wrote it. It's two people <gasps> plus a doo up quartet. This is Hollywood fantasy I dreams come true. It really is. We, somebody should make a biopic. So <laughs> the guy who wrote it has uh, apparently never eaten Chili's ribs. Now the guy who did, <laughs> did the barbecue sauce. Oh, I William just lost
3: McC- my headphones because I was laughing so hard.
2: <laughs> the guy who did the barbecue <laughs> sauce named, I'll remind you again, named William McCoy passed away in 2013. <laughs> now please hold on to your butts for this. His pallbearer at his funeral, his pallbearers were dressed as chefs and sang the jingle as they carried the casket. Oh my god, that just gave me chills. Wait, the casket itself was designed to look like a smoker. <laughs> Fake baby back ribs were carried in by dancers. Wow. And a barbecue sauce fountain was installed. No! And live pigs were present. Oh, live pigs were there? Live pigs were there. Why? I don't know. To witness what their own funeral might look like? I have no idea. And then the funeral was televised on a short-lived TLC reality show. That is show. what their
3: funeral would look
2: TLC like. TLC reality show called The Best Funeral Ever.
3: That's a fucking
2: reality (laughs) show. What a fiasco. Best funeral ever? Best funeral ever. Oh. Featuring a man and a smoker smothered in barbecue sauce. There's a barbecue sauce
3: fountain, which I bet some poor soul was like, this is a chocolate fountain, and there is sadly, sadly.
2: I know. I know. Like It's the spiciest chocolate I've ever had. I hate (laughs) my life. Um, Okay. In every Chili's restaurant, there's an upside-down picture of the restaurant. I don't know why. Huh. Customers consume about 60.4 million pounds of fajita meat every
3: <laughs> fajita meat like
2: <laughs> or fajita meat as I think Bretton said that his parents use this his mom used to say fajita or fajita which sounds like a lot like vagina. People um, in my
3: family used to say jalapeno instead of jalapeno. Oh,
2: oh, mm-hmm. my mom says everything wrong. She says carichicon con instead of cornichon, which always reminded me of some kind of like gorilla pickle army. In the Rainforest Cafe. Um, And every (laughs) year, uh, roughly 20,000 miles of baby back ribs are gobbled up. Selena Gomez is a fan. And that is it. You know who else is a fan? It's Christina Aguilera. Oh, and also this guy right here. Artichoke Dip. Oh, my God. The Artichoke Dip is great. The two-for-one margs are great. So here's... What do you like?
3: So my sister and I used to always go to Chili's for Christmas when we go home. We would go to the one in the mall. But mm-hmm. we went back, the last time we went back, we were kind of disappointed. So we decided to, there's another um, couple of chain restaurants in Indianapolis that I'll shout out at the end. Okay, perfect. Um, I also just realized I did forget one that I'll have to shortly, very quickly tell you about. What is it? Um, but let me just tell you about Chili's okay, first. Perfect. They have a really, really good black bean burger. Like, Oh, really? Their black bean burger is probably one of my favorite, like, chain, you know, like, just veggie burger that you get at like a chain kind of a place Mm -hmm. Um, the Applebee's one is like an actual garden burger which is totally fine I like that too but their black bean burger is delicious they also have bottomless chips and salsa which Uh,
2: is my favorite
3: thing so we would get the bottomless chips and salsa and eat ourselves to death and then our food would come which
2: included a pile of french fries. French fries, I like their boneless buffalo wings.
3: Oh yeah, those are really good too. I like a
2: southwest chicken salad. I like a tortilla soup. I, yeah. I, I tried darling jeet bless his heart our producer in the in the box right now i asked him if he would print the menu for us before <laughs> and then i looked and realized it was over 85 pages long so yeah, i they just have, have like to reference tons them from memory shit.
3: they also have like the low calorie menu yeah they and have like the hipster
2: the... millennial menu which they yeah. just dropped in 2017 is it called that no but it was like <laughs> geared towards millennials and it like made sales drop like a dramatic person like something like five percent or something and it was like they had key they introduced like quinoa and kale and it's like listen not everyone has to do that, right? Well, like,
3: also, millennial is a meaningless word at this point. Totally.
2: It's, it's a garbage word. Like it's organic. the same thing as
3: hipster. It doesn't actually mean it's anything not anymore. Th-
2: yeah, but anyway, they had quinoa, and now they're like, we don't need quinoa.
3: Um, let me just really quickly plug Burger Chef, because uh-huh. I was like, oh, I had to find out if there were any chain restaurants started in Indianapolis, and there was one, and it's now defunct, but had a great rain. Um, It was started in Indianapolis in 1954 when they patented the flame broiler. Oh, wow. And then they opened Burger Chef the next year. Um, In 1972, they had 1,200 locations in the country, which at that point... Wow, that's a lot. I know. At that point, McDonald's had 1,600. Wow, that's
2: crazy. They were like
3: the second competitor to McDonald's. Um, Their mascots were Burger Chef and Jeff.
2: (laughs) Who's Jeff, is lover?
3: No, Jeff is his... Uh, Jeff's his friend that June just stays over a lot? Young's boy. He's the he's like the kid me, guy. <laughs>
2: okay. This it perfect.
3: was the 70s. It was fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and Burger Chef was voiced by Paul Winchell, who is like a famous man. I don't know him. Me either. Uh, <laughs> Call us. They had something called the Fun Burger and the Fun Meal, and they had all these characters for kids. And then McDonald's came out with a Happy Meal, which completely ripped off their deal. Oh. They sued and they lost. So that was oh. sort of like the beginning of the end. Oh. Um, eventually, a lot of them closed or were converted to Hardee's. So, oh. um, ah. yeah. The only thing I can say about Hardee's is that they did used to have when I was a kid the Slimer Sunday, which was a Sunday it with
2: sounds delicious. green syrup on top of it uh-huh. for Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I remember Ecto Cooler. That was good. Totally. Yeah. I like uh, Spooky Haunted mass produced treats yeah those are the only two that are coming to mind <laughs> right now but um, amazing so what are we gonna talk oh, chef recommends how to make your own chain restaurant thing at home
3: yeah so I I it's hard for me to think of this but I on the way here I used to work at Pizza Hut, proud Pizza Hut employee for all of my high school and first year of college awesome um, while I was in high school they came up with something called the Big New Yorker which is like supposed to be an approximation of a New York pizza slice Um, but it was just like a really big pizza and it had its own special sauce which was really sweet and I was obsessed with it so I would always order pizza from Pizza Hut after that and be like put sweet sauce on it Mm -hmm. Um, it was a pro tip because I knew that I worked there I knew all the different sauces um, they all just came in a bag, frozen, for the record. But um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but they were good. And so I think the first time I started like making pizza on my own, which I was really into for a while, I would make quick bread crust though because I had no patience for yeast. Yeah. Um, was I would try to make a pizza sauce that was really sweet, like the like that memory of it. And um, I would make pizza when we would go my sister and I would go home for Christmas and I would make a whole pizza sauce myself. Um, it would always be too thin, and then it would always <laughs> bubble over and overwhelm the pizza and I would be happy and everyone's like there's too much sauce on here oh, and no. I'm like what do you mean it's so good <laughs> um, so that was my chain restaurant thing that I tried to make in real life
2: that's so cute I actually okay one I like extra, extra sauce and I also like a sweet sauce so I'm totally with you on that um, we're pizza like kinfolk mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my actual tip is my tip is actually I should say also pizza related and sweet sauce related When I was in ninth grade, tenth grade, it must have been. I had a boyfriend, Eric Pradas. He was very sweet, nice guy. (laughs) And one of the first things I think I ever cooked for anyone, and like actually the first thing I ever cooked for anyone was uh, was for my mom, and it was modeled after the TGI Fridays. Asian chicken salad you told me this loved it it was good I'm like oh my god I can cook
3: didn't you also make like honey mustard chicken strips or something
2: this was no 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 I made the uh, I made that like the Asian chicken salad like wonton strips and I made two dressings and it was like when I realized that I'm like I think I know kind of how to cook and then a couple years later I made this uh, barbecue chicken pizza for my boyfriend at the time that was modeled after the California pizza kitchen no pizza and I don't know if he liked it Actually, you no, know, I think it was barbecued steak, and the other thing was, like, a chicken. It was gross, probably. Barbecue
3: chicken pizza is, in my opinion, an abomination.
2: Yeah, agreed. I'm really... You know me. I'm, like, a plain slice. Like, if I'm really going to push my limitations, I'll do, like, pepperoni.
3: I think that the problem... I think, I think about this a lot because it's a very contentious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, is maybe the idea that you're taking barbecue chicken and covering it in cheese. Like, yeah. Like, why? It's
2: unnecessary. You would never do that. You just don't have to make everything into a pizza, Pizza can be pizza. Leave pizza And then barbecue chicken could be, like, something else. Or do whatever you want. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really matter that much to me. But nowadays, I...
3: I know, but what if someone came to surprise you for your birthday party and there was only barbecue chicken pizza there? I would
2: tell them I never wanted to see them again.
3: Exactly. So, like, it it does matter. Yeah, that's absolutely right. (laughs) Don't try to push this under the rug. That's true.
2: I'd be like, you know know what? I have to start setting more, like, serious emotional boundaries. Yes. So what are your top three favorite uh, chain restaurants of all time?
3: So this is my chance to shout out Yats, which is a chain restaurant within Indianapolis. I'm pretty sure they Yats. I'm pretty sure they haven't expanded outside of Indiana, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's Cajun Creole, like New Orleans style food. Okay. Um, but it's just a little a little business which has grown so much in probably like the last 10 years, I think. Um, Yats! They um, they have just like big one pot kind of things, like gumbos oh, and cool. like whatever. and I hadn't really never eaten that kind of food and it was just like cheap and you could get a whole plate for like $6 at one point the prices have gone up a little bit Uh obviously because of inflation
2: sure Um,
3: they have like 30 different hot sauces there (laughs) Um, some in jars some they make themselves and they have this like garlic oil bread that comes with everything and my favorite thing there is caramelized beans and corn oh that sounds good it's so good that it's almost never there when I want it but yes. uh, my sister and I always try to go there I and mean, we always try to bring something home for my dad and he's like I hate this <laughs> he hates yats? he doesn't like anything spicy or too mushy so the monster, everything there is like a you know a stew kind right, of thing right, right, so right, he's right. like no thank you yeah <laughs>
2: pass on the yats <laughs> What's your number two?
3: Um, Number two is, I think, you know, as I was walking down memory lane, I do love the Old Spaghetti Factory. I probably wouldn't, like, go there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I would. It's, like, a fun, weird place. It's also still, like, remarkably affordable, which is something that I admire. I'd love to check it out. And I feel like right now Chili's is still in my heart because it's such an important part of me and my sister's, like, you know, we hated each other for a while and then we started like growing back together and then it became a thing that we would go to the mall at Christmas and, you know, escape from home mm-hmm. and be like, let's go to Chili's and just eat four million pounds of food. Yeah. And then hobble our way back to the car <laughs> and be like, why did we do this?
2: <laughs> uh, I love Chili's too. There was one in like the Sears Mall like when I was in high school yeah. and they would like not idea and so we'd get, get two for one margaritas and I remember getting like very sick from there like, alcohol poisoning one time my mom's <laughs> like what's wrong I'm like I think I ate about shrimp and chilies
3: I mean those margaritas are really big
2: yeah they're big they're in mugs they're, yeah.
3: I actually didn't really we never really drank there it was mm-hmm. just like all about
2: eating huge amounts of food lots of
3: all cheese, you can eat
2: salt yeah lots of it Um, I loved... I was big into, like, either, like, a Houlihan's or a Bennigan's. In my mind, they're kind of the same.
3: Yeah, Houlihan's is something... I think I almost worked at a Houlihan's one time. Yeah, it
2: seems like it would be kind of fun to work at, get to all that flair. Yeah, totally. Um, So, like, Houlihan's, Bennigan's are kind of, like, tied... For number three, uh, number two, Fridays, because, like, my dad and I went there so often. And oh, was I definitely... wish we would have
3: done that, because, like, why does that exist? Like, why is the kitsch?
2: It's, a, a like, Fridays specifically, but they're all um, offshoot, like, uh, kind of replicas of what used to be called fern bars. fern bars. Fern bars. Fern bars were a kind of bar that had, like, lots of ferns and, like, <laughs> lots of, like, wow. started by Zach Galifianakis. Weird. um <laughs> And uh, they used to just have like lots of kitsch and they were like 70s and so Fridays it's A was bunch like, of junk It to- Someone was like, I have too much shit in my garage Let's put it in the restaurant exactly. And then it was like, okay. the Fern Bar is born So that's what Fridays came from I loved Fridays. They had everything you could want from a chain restaurant. They were perfect. They were cute. They were fun. They were kitschy. I just, it's so, when I talk about chain restaurants, it so brings me back to spending time with my dad. It's like unbelievable.
3: We just like didn't ever go to, Fridays wasn't in our rotation as a family. Right. So the only thing I remember from Fridays is like being old enough to finally drink and then getting the
2: mudslide. From oh them, yeah, mudslide, Which is sure. just like a boozy milkshake, it's which like, I now it's am morally opposed to. Couldn't agree more. Um, and my number one forever and always have been dying to go for so long. They have one in New York. Houston's. Oh, right. I've never That's a classy been. chain. I've never been to Houston's. I don't think we there's gotta go. one in
3: Indiana. Yeah.
2: we got to go. There's one in New York on, like, Park Avenue in, like, where, I don't know, some kind of, like, Park Ave and 23rd Street or something.
3: So there's a really amazing long-form article about Houston's. I can't yeah. remember if it's in Vanity Fair or it's something. It's
2: in Bon Appetit. But Andrew Knowlton wrote it. Yeah, and it's I good.
3: love it. The story of it is so fascinating and beautiful and, <laughs> like, really heartwarming. It and, is. It's um, good. The way they treat the staff so well mm-hmm. is obviously something that nobody does anymore. Um, and, yeah, you and I have talked about this. The reason I read that article is because you... Or something was going on with them. Why did I read that article? I,
2: I think I might have just, like... Told you to read. I I love 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 Houston's. Yeah. Always grew up going there in New York and Florida. We'd always go with my grandmother. They have delicious salads, delicious like everything's good. It's really good. Yeah. I really want to go back. Like yeah, we need to go. They have a spin dip. Oh, their spin dip that comes with sour cream and salsa and spin <laughs> and perfect chips. It's really good. I of um, course love their giant entree.
3: Yeah,
2: a ubiquitous Asian chicken salad. Right, you with love that one. Tortilla strips in it. It's. The like most satisfying. It's probably my favorite thing. It's probably my last meal. I haven't had it in like oh, yeah. twenty years, but I like. I would definitely. That. We should definitely okay. go there. Let's um, go.
3: I would. It's totally my kind of place. It's yes. gonna be so expensive though. It will be. We'll <laughs> have
2: to meet new boyfriends. We'll have to like dress. Oh. This is a terrible thing to even say. It, it makes no sense in 2019. I'm like, we'll have to dress sexy and get some like Wall Street guys to buy us dinner, which mm-hmm. just sounds so terrible. It's a no. joke, but it doesn't even really work as a joke. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> it's not funny at all. It's terrible. We'll have to just use our own money and buy spinach and <laughs> joke choked We'll have to start a corporation. Exactly. Um, this was a really good, fun episode. Yes. I'm I sorry I had to speed
3: through all that. Also, Burger Chef, I wish that you had been around when I was able to eat you.
2: Oh, call us up, Burger Chef. We'll help you get it a relaunch I going. I mean, they
3: invented the flame broiler, so you have them to thank for everything that you eat.
2: President. I'm thinking of a flamethrower. <laughs> Oh, it's like the
3: flame broiled Burger King I hamburger. I know
2: when you say flame broiler, all I can think of is like that scene in, the uh, in, um, whatchamacallit, that last Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When, like, oh, yeah. When Leo yeah. DiCaprio is like totally. using the flamethrower.
3: Um, interestingly, Tesla, that company sold flamethrowers. Really? The anyway, that's totally going off topic. But that's I another episode. Listen to an episode of How Did This Get Made about that. Oh, my God. Like, I was like, what? I don't understand the world, man. Great podcast. How did this get made?
2: All right. Well, that's it for us. I hope you had a good time. Hasta la pasta, Nicole. Bye-bye. Goodbye.